welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. Merry Christmas, everyone. I, I've been rather astounded by the number of people who've commented that I have a sport jacket on today. <laughs> Uh, the, the first person who saw me, and I'm quoting here, uh, when I was outside, looked at me and said, you feeling okay? So, <laughs> I'm great, but it's kind of an interesting experiment. I guess uh, I've known for my three-quarter zips and sweatpants, and my children insisted I not wear that today, so hence the sport coat. A few years ago, right around this time of year, right around Christmas, I was the lone patron at a place called Wimpy's Bar and Restaurant in Beautiful Walnut Grove, California, population 1,288. I was eating lunch, I was sitting there with my laptop open, and I was working on it. I think I was actually working on a Christmas message. And as I was sitting there working, I was the only one there. Cook came out of the kitchen and into the dining area, and just to put the image in your head, he was a stereotypical short-order cook. Let's call him Chuck for the sake of our discussion. I love Chuck the moment I laid eyes on him. Alice, he barked, you got any Tylenol? Nope, she said. But being the over-the-counter med connoisseur that I am, I said, well, I've got some. And so Chuck lumbered over toward me. And it was obvious he was carrying all kinds of aches, pains, and stiffness. When he got to my table, He began describing to me his various elements and showing me the locations of his pain. I had to stop him. I believe you, Chuck, I said. Don't need to show me anymore. So I handed him a few Tylenol, and as he walked away, he turned around, and he said to me, so are you some kind of salesman? And I did what you're doing. I smirked and said, uh, not exactly. But his question has lingered in me, and it comes back to me, especially around Christmas. Are you some kind of salesman? Are you a salesman peddling divine Tylenol called Jesus? Now, to be straight with you, just up front, I feel like it sometimes, especially around Christmas. This is when we revisit the well-worn story of a silent night when all was calm and all was bright. Mary gives birth to Jesus as Joseph and a few animals gaze on in wordless amazement. For those who live with aches, pains, and stiffness, this Jesus provides some relief. The only thing missing are the three easy payments for 1999. (laughs) Chuck got me thinking about this question. I imagine many of us have heard the Christmas pitch plenty of times. I imagine we've endured the earnest plea of a pastor or priest insisting all of history converges in Christ and everything changes in the light of his coming. And yet, you step back, look at it, listen to it again. The story is so incredible, almost fairy taleish, God in the flesh, God coming, being born as a baby, and living among us. I sometimes wonder, maybe you do as well, does everything change in the light of his coming? Does anything change in the light of his coming? Or is this just one of the things we do this time of year? 
I admit, sometimes around Christmas, I feel like the guy at the state fair trying to convince a crowd of arm-folded skeptics that this onion slicer will radically change your life and overhaul your onion experience. But at the exact same time, there's something about the Christmas story that stirs the deep places within us. There's something about the Christmas story that stirs the soul. And so today I want to invite us to reflect again on the story, but I don't want to sell you anything. I want to invite us all to consider it or reconsider it, and then we're going to just leave it at that. So our scripture reading is from Isaiah chapter 9, if you would stand for it. We've been reading this throughout the Advent season, but today I'm going to just read verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Throughout Advent, we have looked at the various names of Jesus listed in this passage, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and today's name, Prince of Peace. And quite obviously, the name Prince of Peace collides head-on with the anti-peace realities of today's world. Ours is a world where a prince of chaos, violence, disorder, And injustice seems far more powerful than the Prince of Peace. I mean, just read a slice of the news or observe the happenings going on around the world. Put a finger in the wind of our nation's tension. And Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, put it bluntly, seems to be sleeping on the job. And yet these few verses in Isaiah are a crucial part of a big and beautiful plan and story that according to the Bible, God has been unfolding for a very long time. And the birth of Jesus we celebrate at Christmas begins a new chapter in this beautiful plan and story. And we are tipped off to the magnificence of this plan when Isaiah says in the passage we just read, and you can see it up on the screen, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. When Isaiah wrote these words, his nation was staring into the face of destruction and chaos and injustice. When Isaiah wrote these words, his nation was facing war. War was imminent. Fear and uncertainty were in the air when Isaiah wrote these words. And Isaiah writes and speaks into this chaotic context, and he reminds 
the people of God of God's big and beautiful plan that continues to unfold even as they brace for trouble. It's a fascinating picture. Isaiah speaks right into the heart of the chaos and reminds the people of God's big and beautiful plan that is continuing to unfold even as they brace themselves for all kinds of trouble. A child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. His reign will be just and righteous. Isaiah is pointing people beyond their present troubles toward a day when peace will finally come. Justice and righteousness will prevail. And the world will finally be made right forever. The Christmas story is a pivotal chapter in this big and beautiful story and plan that God is writing and slowly unfolding because in Luke's gospel, when the angel announced, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He was announcing the rival of the Prince of Peace. He was announcing at least the partial fulfillment of Isaiah's 700-year-old prophecy. Now, just so we're clear, and we keep these people in this story being human, I don't believe every character in the Christmas story, or any character in the Christmas story, for that matter, comprehended the full gravity of what was happening. You go through the story, their reactions, these prime characters in the Christmas story, their reactions were all over the map, just like our reactions are all over the map. Doubt, disbelief, fear, astonishment, joy, hope, worship, disturbed, confused. The array of their reactions suggests at least they realized something profound was happening or allegedly was happening. And it seems to me we sit on the opposite side. We run the risk of tempering and taming the Christmas story so it fits nicely under a snow globe. And yet this beautiful Christmas story is ultimately about where this world is heading. It has to do with the running of the entire world. See, according to the Bible, the Prince of Peace, Jesus, is the child who was born and the son who was given that Isaiah predicted would one day come and one day govern the entire world. And his governing would bring peace. His reign would be characterized by justice and righteousness. His reign would last forever. It's quite a scene. It's quite a story. It's a big deal, and it most definitely does not fit inside of a snow globe. In Isaiah chapter 11, the prophet continues to sort of envision this future where God is going to reign over the world. And he says, with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. 
The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. To put it bluntly, when the Prince of Peace is governing the world, everything that is wrong will be made right. When the Prince of Peace reigns over the world, those who were once enemies will love each other. Violence will no longer have a role. Wolves will lay down with lambs. Babies will play near the dens of snakes. The strong will no longer attack or take advantage of the weak. Blood will no longer flow. Power will be used for the good. Dividing walls between people and groups will collapse. Peace will come. The Prince of Peace will reign. Now, we have talked many times about this beautiful plan and this beautiful story. In the Hebrew language, it is called shalom. In English, we call it peace. But while it includes inner peace, it is far more than inner peace. And while it includes a ceasefire, it is far more than a ceasefire. Shalom, peace, here's what it means. It means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. It is everyone and everything relating and working the way they were intended to relate and to work. It is irresistible goodness and beauty and flourishing, flooding every inch of the universe. It is everything that is now wrong in us, between us, and in the world made right. In a word, shalom is restoration. And it's just too big to fit under a snow globe. The central character of this big and beautiful story and plan is Jesus Christ. When he was born that first Christmas, it was the turning point in history. When he was born that first Christmas, it was the turning point in history. God had come to dwell with his people and show them who God actually is and what God is actually like. God had come in the flesh to start this long process of restoration and move this beautiful story into its next chapter. God coming to earth to begin to set the world right. In a phrase, paradise restored. No, I don't want to say anything. But this is really good news. This is actually life-changing news. But I can see, I can feel, and I can hear reality standing right outside those windows back there, waving at us and screaming at us, trying to get our attention. Are you people nuts? I'm sure you've noticed life and the world and you and me have cracks and breaks and aches and pains and stiffness. We are broken people living in a broken world. We are Chuck. 
The world is not the way God intended it to be. And we all know it. I am not the way God intended me to be. And Julie knows it. So if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and this peace means wholeness, flourishing for individuals, for relationships, for societies, for nations, and for the world, question, where is it? It's been 2,000 years. Jesus apparently works at a rather sluggish pace. At about 5.15 this past Thursday night, I was typing away in my office well into writing out my remarks for this morning. I actually had gotten quite far into it, and I was actually, at 5.15, working on this sluggish pace point, when all of a sudden, everything I had written just disappeared, except for three random letters that were sitting on the screen of my computer. Now, the autosave function was on, so I wasn't too worried. First thing I did, I clicked on the undo changes thing up at the top. I can just read some of your minds, especially the ones that are really into this computer stuff. Well, you shouldn't have done that. You should have done this. Anyway, I clicked on undo changes, but it wouldn't let me undo the changes. It wasn't lit up like it was supposed to have been lit up. So I clicked on file, open, recent, and then the file name of this message, and a document popped up with three letters on it. Now, I know in these computers, there are tons of shortcut keystroke combinations, control, alt, and the number six will put a, you know, fireplace on your screen or whatever. I know like one of these combinations. But apparently, I inadvertently hit the combination that causes everything to delete without recoverability. Why does one of those even exist? I guess that's another subject. But the document was gone. The work was all lost. So I closed the laptop and I went home, pondering the various possibilities. Maybe what I wrote was so off track, God deleted it for you. <laughs> Maybe it was so on track, the devil deleted it. I highly doubt either of those two. So option three is, Mike, you're an idiot. Now that one rings true. Adding to all the fun, I'm headed to my car to drive home, pondering these possibilities. Manuel called me, and he told me, Mike, I just tested positive for COVID, and I won't be able to be part of today's services. Reality was waving at me. Where is this Prince of Peace? He seems to move at a rather sluggish pace. So, documents disappear. Chuck needs Tylenol. And life rarely goes smooth. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, 
peace, there's that word again, to those on whom his favor rests. It's a beautiful story and a beautiful plan. And we're now 2,000 years beyond the turning point in history when Jesus was born as a baby and lived among us. But when we take an authentic look at nations or societies or relationships or individuals, do we see much evidence of good news that causes great joy for all the people because a Savior has been born who is the Messiah and Lord? Do we see anything that remotely resembles peace on earth? Are things gradually being made right? Are things gradually becoming the way they are supposed to be? Or is it full speed ahead toward chaos? In the mid-1800s, a guy who wasn't particularly religious wrote a song that became one of the famous ones we sometimes sing, but more often hear this time of year. It's called O Holy Night. Now, I'm not going to sing it, because if I do, it will quickly become O Unholy Night. But one verse goes like this. O night divine, O night O night divine. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love. And his gospel, there's that word again, is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord, his name forever praise we. It is a beautiful song based solidly on God's beautiful story and plan laid out in the Bible. But how are we doing at loving one another? How are we doing at the slave becoming our brother? How are we doing at all oppression ceasing? Now, maybe we're asking too much too soon. Maybe the social and the national and the global stuff is coming later in this unfolding plan. One insightful author takes the idea of shalom, like we're talking about, or peace, and imagines it permeating just one individual's inner being. He writes these words. You can see them up on the screen. He says, peace is the rest of will that results from assurance about how things will turn out. I'm at peace about it, we say. And this means I am no longer striving inwardly or outwardly to save some outcome dear to me or to avoid one that I reject. I have released whatever is at issue and am no longer even putting body English or spin on it or inwardly gritting my teeth. He continues, few have peace in general and fewer still have peace that reaches their body and its automatic response to such a depth that their body does not live in a covert state of alarm. Now, we can probably name some people who tend to worry. Others who are driven and ambitious. Some who are kind. A few 
who are unselfish. But how many can we name who are at peace because they know how things will ultimately turn out and this peace is evident in their body? See, when we add it all up, we can dance around it. But when we add it all up, the world of 2023 sometimes seems like a world where the Prince of Chaos has evicted the Prince of Peace. And for me, the failure to acknowledge this, to name it, keeps the wonder of Christmas under a snow globe with little to no influence on tomorrow or on the wars in the Middle East and in Ukraine or on the suffering of the poor or on the cry of the oppressed or the longing of the humble. The failure to acknowledge the not yet aspect of God's beautiful plan and story strips it of its power to awaken and transform, change us right now, even in the midst of the chaos. Clearly, the plan is not completed. Clearly, the story is not finished. And I don't want to say anything. But because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord, an intriguing possibility now exists for anyone who is interested. It is the possibility of restoration. The possibility of things being made just a bit more right. Of us being made just a bit more right. Our sin forgiven. Our guilt lifted. Our anxiety quieted. Our relationships restored. Our purpose refined, our hope revived, our past healed, not fixed, not finalized, but all in the process, inch by grueling inch of being restored. See, the Christmas story declares Jesus Christ is Messiah and Jesus Christ is Lord, and this does not fit under a snow globe. And when we give ourselves permission, even for just a moment, to imagine a world where his peace, shalom, wholeness, goodness, rightness, and justice are slowly becoming a reality and eventually will be a finalized reality. When we imagine that his peace is slowly becoming a reality in us, through us, and in this world. Does something in our soul long for this? I mean, think about it. When we set aside the various defenses, acknowledge it's coming at a sluggish pace, acknowledge how broken things are, and yet, because of who God is, and because Jesus Christ is Messiah and Lord, Imagining a world where this peace and goodness and rightness are slowly becoming a reality in us and through us and in the world, does something in our soul long for this? Long to experience this kind of goodness. Long to participate in this goodness. 
We all know, for example, close relationships are sometimes choppy and hard. Sometimes they're not what they were intended to be. But Jesus is Messiah and Lord right now. So imagine a relationship, one of yours, where peace, shalom, and goodness are inching in and gradually restoring. Does something in us awaken with hope? See, because Jesus, the Messiah and Lord, has come, the restoration of all things, to use the Apostle Peter's words, has begun. And we're invited into the plan and into the story, and we are invited into a relationship with the Prince of Peace. And it makes sense if the Prince of Peace is inviting us into a relationship that we would increasingly become characterized by peace. If the Prince of Shalom is inviting us into a relationship, then his shalom would increasingly take root in us. See, we know when things in ourselves and in our relationships and in our world are wrong. And I think that every last one of us, somewhere down underneath all sorts of duties and obligations and whatever else, we ache for these things to be made right. We long for goodness to prevail over evil. We long for love to prevail over hate. We long for justice to prevail over injustice. We long for wholeness to prevail over brokenness. We long for shalom. And here's the really good news. God is in the process of making it so. Restoring. Making things right. Remember, I don't want to say anything. But this is really good news. Causing great joy for all who are interested. His name is Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And all of history converges in him and everything gradually changes in the light of his coming. So I'll leave it at this. He's worth looking into. This being the fourth Sunday of Advent, <clears throat> normally the Christ candle would be lit on uh, Christmas, but we thought we would do that today for those of you who may not be coming back tonight. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth.